Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Ench House's fourth quarter 2020 conference call. As a reminder, today's conference is being recorded. At this time, I would like to turn the conference over to Steve Sadler, Chairman and CEO. Please go ahead, Mr. Sadler. Good morning, everybody. In this era of social distancing, I am here today with Todd May, VP Legal Counsel, Sam Manager, VP Corporate Development, Doug Bryson, VP Finance, and Vince Massoud, Global President. So we're all here. Uh, before I begin, I will have Todd read the forward disclaimer. Certain statements made may be forward-looking. By their nature, such forward-looking statements are subject to various risks and uncertainties, including those in Enchhouse's continuous disclosure filing, such as its AIF, which could cause the company's actual results and experience to differ materially from anticipated results or other expectations. Undue reliance should not be placed on these forward-looking statements and the company has no obligation to update or revise any forward-looking information, whether as a, a result of new information, future events, or otherwise. Thanks, Todd. Uh, Doug will now give an overview of the financial results. Thank you, Steve. I'll now give a brief overview of the quarter. Yesterday, Enchhouse announced its fourth quarter unaudited and year-end financial results for the period ended October 31, 2020. Key financial and operational highlights for the three months ended October 31st, 2020, compared to the same period in 2019, are as follows. Revenue grew 10.6% to $120.9 million. Results from operating activities increased 31.2% to $42.7 million. Net income increased 19% to $29.4 million. Adjusted EBITDA increased 37.1% to $46.6 million and cash flows from operating activities, excluding changes in working capital, increased 41.8% to $48 million. Key financial and operational highlights for the year ended October 31, 2020, compared to the same period in 2019 are as follows. Revenue grew 30.6% to $503.8 million. Results from operating activities increased 44.7% to $162 million. Net income increased 39.2% to $98.6 million or $1.77 per diluted share. Adjusted EBITDA increased 53% to $176.8 million and cash flow from operating activities excluding changes in working capital increased 50.6% to $178.5 million. Cash, cash equivalents and short-term investments were $251.8 million, an increase from $150.3 million at October 31, 2019 which was achieved after making payments of $27 million for dividends and $43.9 million for acquisitions. Yesterday, the board approved the company's eligible quarterly dividend of $0.13.5 per common share payable on February 26, 2021 to shareholders of record at the close of business on February 12, 2021. I'd also like to highlight another key announcement from yesterday's meeting. With our substantial cash balance, no debt, and significant operating cash flow, the Board of Directors also approved a special dividend of $1.50 per common share payable on February 16, 2021, 
to shareholders of record at the close of business on January 15, 2021. With low interest rates and the ability to acquire additional funding as needed, the company believes that after returning these funds to shareholders, it continues to have the necessary funding available for its acquisition activities. I'd now like to turn the call back to Mr. Sadler. Steve? Thank you, Doug. As Doug highlighted, Doug has highlighted uh, some of the key financial and operational uh, items of the company. He noted our strong operating results and cash flow in the quarter and for the year, which resulted in cash and short-term investments being nearly $252 million with no bank debt. As we noted in prior quarters, some of the revenue was brought forward due to the pandemic in, uh, from Q4 um, and stuck in Q4 now because of the second wave has been delayed. So it, it's an interesting dynamic in that initially they brought it forward, they got up to speed, and now with the second wave, a bit of revenue has been delayed. Transit was hardest hit, but we did improve our future transportation business with a $55 million contract award over 12 years in our Nordic operation. This will help offset the decline in the transit sector this fiscal year, being 2021. Did not really have any impact on last year, fiscal 2020. EBITDA margins improved in Q4 due to lower hardware revenue and minimal acquisition cost restructuring. Hardware revenue, which has lower margin, was down 5.2 million in Q4 compared to Q3 and 1.4 million lower than the prior year. As I said, also some of our customers continue to be impacted by the pandemic, delaying some new orders due to the second wave. In Q4, no acquisitions were completed. Prior acquisitions have been integrated into our operations and are operating as expected. We continue to focus on capital deployment, doing our acquisition work remotely, but completing transactions are taking longer than they have historically due to the pandemic. The acquisition pipeline remains consistent with, with historic levels. With our high cash balance, as Doug said, no bank debt and strong cash flow, the board directors concluded that it was prudent to return some capital to our shareholders. With, our, with historic low interest rates and capital available to Edge House, it was decided a special dividend could be paid without impacting our funding for future acquisitions. I would now like to open the call for questions. Thank you, sir. If you would like to ask a question, please signal by pressing star 1 on your telephone keypad. If you're using the speakerphone, please make sure your mute function is turned off to allow your signal to reach your equipment. Again, press star 1 to ask a question. We'll take our first question from Deepa Kaushal from Stifa GMP. Please go ahead. Oh, hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, thanks for, for taking my questions. Um, Steve, I, I just curious about your commentary on the M&A environment. You know, last quarter you, you were pretty confident that you're still seeing attractive valuations, and you know, our initial read last night of the filing was that you were seeing some challenges in M&A. I, I guess what you're saying this morning it's not related to valuations, but it's related to the ability to close transactions through the pandemic. Maybe you can just give us some clarity on that. Thank you. Uh, yeah, that's that's correct. We still, you know, have items in the pipeline. They're taking longer to do the due diligence, and we have to be more careful because 
anyone who has some decline in revenue, they all blame the pandemic, and that may or may not be true. It just may be a decline in revenue. So it, it takes a little bit longer, plus then all the legal work, the due diligence, and mostly from the seller side. Like we, we can do video, a lot of our work uh, using video, uh, but it, it, it does take longer to get done. And, you know, companies, they, they've got a lot of things to focus on. There's a lot of unusual things happening uh, initially with the pandemic. It picked up, and now the second wave has caused them, again, to, to wonder, and, you know, can they get their staff in? Can they provide the material? So just taking longer to get done, but I don't see any different. I don't see it picking up. I don't see it down. Um, yes, there's some companies that are more highly valued because the public markets are highly valued, but they tend to be larger ones. We, we tend to be at, you know, 50 million and less. Uh, and yeah, but it's been the same. In the past, we've had people who wanted more than we thought their companies were worth, and they're still out there. So don't see much changing, except we have to do our work a little bit differently. We don't really do any on-site visits. Got it. And so, you know, with your growth by M&A model and your, I guess it's 15 to 20% EBITDA growth targets, you know, as you get bigger, you have to generally either look at larger acquisitions or more tuck-in acquisitions, more smaller acquisitions. Now you're giving back half your, almost half your cash in a special dividend. Are you signaling uh, more smaller tuck-in acquisitions, fewer larger acquisitions, or is it just going to get harder and harder to move the deal here on growth? Not really. I mean, we looked at it. We always say money said there could be a bigger acquisition. I don't like bank debt because I don't like paying bankers fees. I don't like paying interest. But right now it's free. I mean, the interest rates are virtually at zero. You can borrow money easily. So why am I holding cash that I'm earning no interest on um, when I can actually get it pretty readily with our cash flow? And again, it's not a matter of here's so much cash we have after we give do the special dividend. We also generate cash. I mean, we're generating cash right now while I'm talking to you. It's, it's quite nice. So um, we thought, let's give some back, some of the money to our loyal shareholders and who've supported us for a long time. And they may have uh, greater use for that cash than just sitting on our balance sheet. We don't need it to do our strategy. And we have cash available at, at low rates now uh, to uh, do the acquisition strategy. Uh, as we go forward, we're generating more. Uh, I'm not saying that we, um, again, we'll do another special dividend, but we do generate cash every day. Yeah, generating cash is, is always nice. Uh, and one last question for me on the organic growth. So back of the envelope, we're either calculating flat organic growth or that dialogic shrank. Uh, which of the two is it, and, and what can you tell us about dialogic and how it's performing versus uh -huh. your expectations? So I, I missed that. Um, I can tell you Dialogic is performing exactly as we thought. Uh, remember, in, in a couple quarters ago, I said we brought revenue forward. We had a large Q2 and some in Q3 because a large deal, $6 million, was brought forward from Q3 and a lot from Q4. Uh, if you look at the year in total, it's done exactly what we thought. Profitable, good results, no problem with Dialogic. And I missed the other part of your question, so ask again, and I can see what I can do to help you. Yeah, no, it's just it was just on organic growth. So if it, you know, if Dialogic grew, then organic growth shrank, or or organic growth grew, then Dialogic shrank. So I'm just wondering which of the two it was. Well, I don't know 
you know, I've always said we're low single digits organic growth. We had a surge in Q2 especially and a bit in Q3. A lot of Q3, though, was uh, uh, hardware, which shrank a lot in Q4. Um, so I'm still on that model. I mean, we look at we don't look at it quarter to quarter necessarily. Sometimes things get delayed. Sometimes this time some came in early, but we believe our model is still low single digit growth, and you know capital allocation and growing the bottom line 15 to 20 percent. So that's what we do. Okay, excellent. Well, thank you for taking my questions. Uh, have a good holiday and look forward to chatting with you in the new year. Same to you. Thank you. We're taking our next question from Daniel Chan from TD Securities. Please go oh, ahead. Hi, Steve. Hi, Steve. Um, just look hi. at the hosting and maintenance revenue. It declined by about 6% sequentially. Um, given that it's recurring revenue, we usually expect that to be flat to up. Just Can you give us any color on, on why that recurring revenue declined sequentially? Sure. Um, first of all, it declined because it went up. Remember, a lot of the people ordered and went hosted, and they needed extra, especially video, um, after Q2, not all of Q2, but as it got into Q2, and then so Q3 went higher. Well, some of those things got under control and it went down. Plus, we have two, we had two major recurring revenue customers who had financial difficulty. They're, one's an airline. Um, where they did, used our knowledge management system, and another one was in the travel industry, and one was a hotel. They also basically reduced their volumes. When hosted, doesn't mean that it's you know set up like maintenance up front. If you don't use the system as much, your revenue goes lower. So um, they actually added to the video went down a bit again because people got organized on it when they used to. You almost could say there was a surge. And then it came back to a normal level. And then a couple of larger uh, customers in the travel and hospitality side had difficulties and their volumes dropped virtually, like basically to zero. Okay, thanks. That's, uh, that's very helpful. So, so the, if you look at last, if you do a trend, look at last year, take away the surge in that, you know, a, a little bit in Q2, then Q3, but everyone <clears throat> talks about hey, you're down, you know, really, we were up, and we're back to normal. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, and then in the filings, you, you mentioned um, that your OPEX was lower than expected, and you benefited from COVID-related grants in the quarter. Can you quantify that for us? Uh, yeah, you know, we have, we're all over the world, so I don't go in and, and check all that. Some of the grants were, you know, some free loans, that you get some were delayed payments for VAT, um, and some in Canada. I think there was some. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure we probably published something up because we didn't lay any staff off, so we kept them all. And yet, some of our revenue dropped in some of the businesses in Canada. Um, so we got some grants for that. So it's a few million dollars for sure. I'm not sure that's the quarter of the year. Maybe a one for the quarter, and it's that type of number. Okay, I guess what I was getting at was the, the margin. That, that's we publish. Yeah, we, we we publish it. So when you you know you go through the results, you'll see the exact number. I just don't have. It's not something I track. Okay, I'll I'll take a look at. it. I was just wondering because the the margins were pretty good this quarter. Just how much it was it without the the grants? But I'll look it up. 
Um, and then uh, I, I can I can I can I can talk to that a bit if you want. Sure. I mean, part of it travel way down. That was positive. Um, you know, we have a rule that we be, you know people should be taking their vacations. They weren't for a while there, so vacation came down a bit. Travels down a bit. You have a little bit on the new rules in IFRS 16. Um, so you know, it's a 38 percent, but that's not our norm. I always tell people with acquisitions at a normal rate, it should be around 30. Um, I think if you take some of the unusual items out, you'll be closer to 34, 35 this quarter like it was before. So that that's how you can think about it because there's more than just grants to cause that. Um, it, there, there's other items as well. Okay, so that's helpful. It's the same model. We haven't changed anything. And so. Uh, final question, the delays that you're seeing in some of the orders uh, from your customers, can you kind of drill down to that a little bit? Where are you seeing that? Which business lines and um, how long do you think that delay will go on for? Thanks. Don't know. I mean, it's generally newer customers like NVIDIA got delayed. Uh, I, I had at least one order I know that was delayed. Um, in our uh, networks division, we had one. Um, we also had, of course, that whole um, deal that we did in the Nordics, which is. Uh, it's 2020. What can I say, everybody? Uh, I don't know why that uh, we got cut off, but we seem to be back. I hope we are. So maybe we can go to uh, to the next question or the last question if you didn't hear the answer. Mr. Tan, your line is still open. Um, do you have any more questions? For me, thank you very much. Thank you. We're taking our next question from Paul Steve from Scotia Capital. Please go ahead. Thank you. Morning, Steve. Um, can you talk just a little bit about uh, within Interactive how you're thinking about the performance of the contact center business relative within relatively within the mix and maybe you know as a one-off just sort of what the size of video is these days on a revenue basis I think it help us track to where the business is at on that side. Yeah, I don't think we divide it out because we've integrated it in with our IMG group as we call it. Contact center business, I, I, I think, is dynamic out there. We were one of the first to get uh, certified with Teams, but we haven't seen much revenue from that yet because it is still difficult with uh, many people to change systems right now. A little easier if you just want to go into a hosted system or a SaaS system to sign up. Um, ours is a little more complicated than that. But business is doing okay. I'm hoping it does better in the future um, which, because we positioned it to do so, um, don't know what else you were looking for, but there's nothing special other than the teams that we announced, you know, three, four months ago, we really haven't seen the full benefit or much benefit from that yet. We're hoping again, as the pandemic gets resolved with a vaccine that that will pick up because, you know, teams is doing well, but. They didn't have all the connections for contact centers. And, and again, we were the first to be certified by Microsoft in that. So we're still hopeful. Okay. Um, maybe on AMG, you flag in the document a little bit of, or the MDNA, a little bit of a, a shift to 
posted revenue, just checking that there's no trend there, or if that's just you know, some of the normal quarterly fluctuations. Just since you called it out, that was all. No, I think, you know, everyone's going a little bit more to hosted revenue, uh, which is recurring. Uh, of course, that makes revenue is recognized over a period of time. It's not recognized like licenses up front. That trend still continues. Um, for the asset management group, they still tend to be on premise for the most part. Um, for the contact center, IMG group, that tends to be more hosted. I hope that answered your question. If not, ask another one. <laughs> no, that's good. Two two last clarifications. One on you know setting and maybe the decision around the special dividend. Maybe talk us through the alternatives you thought about as a board, and then maybe just considerations for the sum and the amount. Obviously, it's you know there's no perfect science here. And then one fast uh, sort of clarification. Yeah, the alternative was to keep the cash or do a special dividend. Uh, we're not big on the share buyback side of things. You know, it's a bit of a game, especially where markets uh, are these days. The public markets are, are some would say, fairly or aggressively valued. Um, so the choice was that we just keep it and use it for acquisitions. Uh, in discussions, we said we can borrow. Why are we holding this money and not earning anything on it? Um, our shareholders might put it to better use in the sense that we don't have a problem with uh, having the funding for acquisitions or strategy. If we do a larger deal, we can get the funding and the rates are low. And, you know, banks are, everyone's still trying to lend you money, even though they're, they're not charging much interest on it. So why not give some capital back? We have generally patient uh, value shareholders. Let's give them some money back. They probably can use it in, in some other areas, or if they want to buy other things in the overpriced market, so be it. Fair enough. L last one for me, Steve, is just on the government grants, just to clarify so we all don't end up maybe in the wrong uh, direction here. MD&A talks about 3.8 for the year just maybe what the loading was or, you know, how we should think about it, Q2, Q3, Q4, in terms of which one it was impacted. And is it all actually a reduction of operating costs? Because when you talked earlier, you mentioned yep. free loans. So just that would be helpful. Well, there, there's some loans. Loans aren't reductions of operating costs because they're loans. The other ones generally have been. I mean, we've kept all the staff added more. I would say you take it in two, three, and four, probably impacted equally in each quarter. Um, depends what happens going forward. If the government keeps giving out free money, then, you know, if we qualify, we will certainly look to uh, take our share. But we are not cutting back staff, um, so we qualify pretty well for, for that. And again, it's by country sometimes, so you got to, it's not only, well, your revenue up, but it could be up, but if it's not up, for example, in Canada, then these things apply. It doesn't apply on a consolidated basis. Great. Thanks, Steve. Happy holidays, everyone. Yeah, same to you. Thank you. We're taking our next question from Stephanie Price from CIBC. Please go ahead. Good morning. Hey, Stephanie. 
Uh, just wondering if you could talk a little bit more about video and, you know, what you saw in terms of Q4 demand and how the international rollout um, and sales uh, sales team rollout is going and just a little bit more on video, please. Um, so in the U.S. where we had a pretty large presence, you know, it's going pretty well, continues on. It's not as much as it was in Q2 and Q3. Um, but we have a good product and we don't have a product for like the public necessarily. We tie into hospitals, financial institutions, etc. Geographically, we have a great opportunity there, but it's really, they didn't have a large pr uh, presence, a, a, a big customer base. They had some um, and we now have got the people hired in place. We've hired dedicated salespeople. But we weren't ready at the start of the pandemic with all that in place. So it took a little longer than usual. That's in place now. Um, we haven't seen significant results from it yet, but we're hopeful that we will in the future. But remember, our product's not a matter of signing up to talk to your kids at university. Ours tying into hospitals and things. It's a little bit longer sales cycle, um, but we're still you know, hopeful that our geographic expansion of the product uh, will prove to it, help us with revenue in the future. Great, thanks. And then in terms of the transportation division, the MDNA mentioned some delays there, and I think you mentioned a new contract win in your script. Just wondering if you could uh, give us a bit more of an outlook for that division in 2021. So that struggling, of course, uh, being we talk transportation because we have a wider net, but most of our stuff is transit or 911, for example, in the Nordics. Um, so that division actually didn't do, was down into basically two, three, and four, uh, two not so bad because, again, we're in the middle of doing things. They finished them off, but three and four, your transit agencies are struggling a little bit. Um, so, yes, down, but we were fortunate enough that a large contract, $55 million, probably our largest for a long time. Uh, we used to have a, a larger one, but only people who back 10, 15 years know about that. Um, and that was in a different different sector, actually. Um, and so we have that as a 12-year contract, a lot of work up front and maintenance for probably the last six years. Uh, so that basically will allow us that division, which would be down and continue to be down, that will help us get back to even on that, maybe a little bit ahead as we uh, implement those systems in the Nordics. It also gives us a good system to take elsewhere, but you know, no, it's still a difficult marketplace, so I wouldn't count too much on that. Um, but it will, what would normally be me telling you transportation and transit's down, that's weak. It has been, but that deal makes us back to be okay. Let's just put it that way. I don't think it will be down. Um, you'll have the normal down, but this is a, a big project that they decided the Nordics to do now and they chose us. It actually was delayed uh, because of the pandemic. We were gonna do it in May or earlier in start, so it would have been partly in this year. It got delayed with people off getting signings, et cetera. So it's basically uh, started now with some work and, and next, uh, next year you should see some benefit from it, which will help negate the decline that we would see in transit generally. All right. Well, congrats on the contract win and, and happy holidays. Thank you.
Thank you. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, please press star one to ask a question. We'll take our next question from Paul Treber from RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Uh, thanks very much and good morning. Just wanted to follow up on your comment hey, Paul. on the surge. Oh, hey, Steve. I uh, just wanted to follow up on your comment on the surge in video. Can you remind us again of the pricing model for video? Is it predominantly on-premise, like license, uh, or is it uh, is it a hosted subscription? We do both. We're one of the few who are willing to do on-prem still. Um, most of the competition does only hosted. Uh, we do both, so there, we do both. Um, a, a lot of people initially did hosted uh, because it, it varies with how much you use it, um, but, but we do have customers who would rather be on-prem with their own system rather than being in, uh, in the public domain. So, so we do both. No, you mentioned the surge. That one, and then and it lessened in subsequent quarters. It, does that imply that there's a lower revenue base for video now? And and like, did anyone you know turn off their subscription or hosted, um, um, you know, subsequent to the surge? I don't think it's really the hosted part where the surge came. Some people did, and it you know it helped when you get into the maintenance going forward. Um, but most of it was people adding and current customers adding more people to their hosted system. And then actually as a lot of people, especially in the U.S., decided that, you know, maybe the pandemic wasn't so bad. They may not have been right. But, you know, so then they did they stopped some of the hosted work. Host, hosted isn't just sort of, hey, a standard model. There's probably a minimum volume that we try and do. Uh, some people signed up for three and six months, and as they sorted themselves out, um, and then they've either taken less or decided to do something else or decided they didn't need it anymore. So when we say surge, it was more current customers adding more volume. Um, initial, you almost could say a bit of initial panic uh, when they realized they, everyone was going to work from home. Okay, I see. Uh, and, and turning to AMG, just on the, the revenue decline sequentially, um, yeah, I was a little bit confused. I, it, I think it's predominantly hardware, I mean, professional services that drove that as opposed to um, software. Is that is that correct? Two things. Um, one, remember I said some revenue was brought forward. So you always got to think about that. But the big one over the last quarters, we I think hardware tick, and it's not in networks, it's in the transportation side. In that sort of low, as we got into Q3, we were able to deploy hardware. And if you notice Q4, the hardware is down about 5.2 million, and it was all in that in that group. And if you and that group's in that AMG group. So the group overall looked pretty flat, but it's one's up and one's down, and it came out pretty flat. But it's really hardware. And just a comment for the other questions that came out, because it was hardware that is really brought the revenue down somewhat, that somewhat helped the margins because of the mix of the revenue. Hardware we do not make uh, much margin on. Um, so again, with that mix and revenue change, it didn't impact the bottom line as much uh, because uh, at least 5.2 million down from Q3 um, related to hardware. 
and it was all it was all in that group in the transportation side. We rolled out the hardware, got it done, and very little in Q4. There's a little bit in the um, video area as well, and you say where? Well, they used to have rooms you set up with hardware used for the rooms. Well, people aren't going in the office, no one's using the rooms, and they aren't hoarding the hardware. So there's some of that too. So there, there's a lot of moving parts, but yes, a lot of hardware, it, it came down on hardware uh, from Q3, if, if that's the question. Okay, that, that's helpful. And a clarification on the comment about positive internal growth. Is that referring to the, the quarter or the entire year or both? Generally, it's for the entire year. Um, we do have positive internal growth on the video side, but then you also have the transportation and some of those other things. And when we look at it, there's the hardware question. We, we do hardware because customers want us to be, as they would say, one throat to choke. Um, but we don't really count that because that can be up and down. You know, we aren't in the hardware business really. We do it to facilitate our solution sale. Uh, but if you're looking at it, it's basically the year, uh, Paul. Okay. Um, it, 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 it certainly isn't Q4 over Q3. Q4 over Q3 and Q2, because we move things forward, we don't have uh, internal growth over those previous. Sequentially, we don't have internal growth because one, we took some things forward and showed great growth. Well, that then was, and I we did say in the past we pulled something forward for that. So, yeah. I hope that's that understandable. clarifies that how, how a little bit. Q4 compared to Q4 last year in terms of internal growth? I don't actually remember our internal growth last year, but we had a big order last year that came in, um, I believe, in the field area at the end of the year. Um, so if you look at it overall, um, obviously we do the comparison. We're up 11 or $12 million, 10%. Um, most of that uh, growth is from acquisition. So you go back to the model. Yes, it changed a little bit. It's, you've all noted in Q2 and 3, but our model is low single digits. That's what we do. Um, nothing's really changed. We're hoping to improve that. We're putting things in to improve it. But we haven't seen the benefit, total benefit of that yet. So, again, internal growth, low single digits. Okay, and then last one for me, I mean, when you think about internal growth next year, and I'm sure you're in the planning process right now, you're, you're lapping, you know, quite a good year, um, you know, with the surge on video and whatnot. You know, how do you think about internal growth, the, the prospects for internal growth next year? I keep repeating it, low single digits. We expect that to happen, and we hope we get some uh, capital allocated to um, also grow by um, acquisition, um, but that's what we see. Okay, great. Thanks and so and again, people, I, I just want to be clear because it, it can be confusing this year. If you take the trend back before the pandemic and do the low single digits, you'll see that's basically the trend we're on, and then you'll see a surge in the middle. We're not low single digits off of, Q2, which was very high and pulled some things forward and related to a bit of a surge. We're single digits off our normal trend, and therefore you have a bit of a surge, and we're paying out a special dividend, recognizing we have that surge. We're giving some money back to shareholders. Okay, that's understandable. 
thanks for taking my questions and uh, have a good uh, holiday. Yep, same to you, Paul. Thank you. There are no further questions at this time, sir. Okay, well, um, Angel said a very strong financial um, year, uh, good cash generation and growth uh, from internal operations for the year and from accretive acquisitions. Fiscal 2020 was an unusual year globally for everybody. Enchels demonstrated its ability to operate successfully even in this unusual environment. I would want to thank you all for your continued support and have a Merry Christmas and a happy holiday season. This concludes today's call. Thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.